Welcome back to a sort of Star Wars book club with Matt Lehman. Welcome, Hello. Matt. Thank you. Thanks for being here today. Happy to be here. We are here talking about Red Rising by Pierce Brown. Chapter 5. Chapter 5. The first song. Okay. So if we remember last chapter, they were in the ducts and the duct worked. Yeah. And they just popped out. Right. And they heard someone say, there's reds in our Freeze punk. gardens. Oh. <laughs> hands up <laughs> um but yeah so they get caught coming out of the ductwork. right uh, they just went to go see the stars which is unbelievable Jeez. i can't i can't even believe that they would do that um and yeah it's ugly dan there <laughs> that's just, it's a capital u it's I know. ugly dan it's that's ugly his dan. name <laughs> first name ugly last name dan ugly dan <laughs> um and uh he says something about like Hell divers, um, the toughest ant is yet but an ant is a line that uh, I picked out. Yeah. Um, basically, he's just like saying, yeah, you might be big in your circle, but compared to us, you're nothing, basically. Right. right. Um, and so right away, um, Darrow puts up his hands like, okay, I surrender. I know, like they talked about before that they if they got caught, they'd be flogged. Right. And he's like, okay, I know it's going to happen. I surrender. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet they get, um, they talk about having, they, the author talks about the greys that are there to greet him having thumpers, which Pierce Brown does this thing, which I made a note of here, where he uses words like you're supposed to know what they are, <laughs> but he never describes what they are. Right. Um, like in this case, thumpers or grav boots. Yeah, or like you just like the way he describes. Sometimes he describes people using them, and you can kind of like get your own idea of what they are. Right. But like you'll see through the whole series. There's all this stuff that he never explains. Right. Even like the hollow can. It's like, is that is that particular item a hollow can, or is it a hollow can that everybody has? Is it a weird name for a TV? Right. Like, like <laughs> you, he never explains this stuff. Um, I just feel like he does a very good job of like. If this was a movie, you would see what it is, and you wouldn't need a description because you can see it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he is pretty good at like, like giving us a visual of what stuff is, but he never really explains it fully. Even like later, we see their main weapon is a razor. Like, I have no idea what that looks like. I was like. gonna say you and Absolutely. I have talked about that. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it's like oh, I'm trying to understand. Like, describe it. Basically, it's kind of like a lightsaber, but it goes. Like it wraps around people's arms, and it can be harder. And uh, and I, I don't mean to jump ahead, but isn't it like off of a ring? No, it has a hilt. Okay, yeah. Because I, I can't remember why I have this visual, but I also think of it like the um, the, the quote unquote lightsabers from Spaceballs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I see your Schwartz is as big as mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah you're right it, it is a little bit hard to understand some of these things but, yeah because i like I, with a thumper i guess i've always pictured it kind of like a not i, I picture it like a gun that you have to use two hands with well he does you describe know. here um he swings his thumper into my stomach it's like being bitten by a viper and kicked by a boot i fall gasping hands on the metal grate electricity slithers through my veins 
So I guess it's, I kind of picture it as that thing from uh, the new, the sequel trilogy of Star Wars. That's like, it like folds out that the stormtroopers use, the first order stormtroopers. Oh, okay. It's got like the electricity on the end. Yeah. It's like more like a, a um, thing the police have. Like a, like a staff or like a baton. Yeah, type yeah. of thing. But hmm. I'm not sure. They don't, they really don't describe it. Later they describe something that like um, earth people have that's like a gun and they call that something different. Okay. But I know what you mean. It's kind of like thumper, but it's something different. I forget what they call that. Stamper. Stamper. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Some other name from Bambi, I think. Yeah, exactly. Flower. Uh, wimpy deer. <laughs> thumper was the name of the bunny, right? Right. Right, yeah, okay. Um, so he gets hit in the stomach by the thumper, and uh, Ugly Dan's like, come on, fight back. There'll be no repercussions. You'll be fine. You know, just fight back. But Darrow knows better that he's not going to fight back. But EO is in the background like, you should fight him. <laughs> Get him. <laughs> but um, luckily, Darrow doesn't listen because he knows that if he would fight back, that he would pretty much get hung. At this right. point, he's just going to get whipped. Right. Um, which you can survive. Right. Hangings are a lot harder to survive. Well, which is interesting. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> but I think. Not impossible. No. It's a lot harder. It's true. <laughs> yep. Um, I think, you know, as you, as we get further in the story and actually, you know, as we get further, you know, into this chapter and into the, into chapter six, it's interesting to hear EO respond the way she does. Cause mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like how she would respond. You know, right. I feel like, like we talked about in the past, she again is much more big picture mm-hmm. and like to just lash out at ugly Dan would be like ruining or, right. or losing sight of the big picture. Right. So, right. yeah. I think she uses this as a test. So we go jumping to the end of this chapter, which I'm sure all our listeners have read the chapter already. Absolutely. Jumping jumping to the end of the chapter, you find out she sings the reaping song mm-hmm. or the forbidden song, which if you listen to the audiobook, he actually sings the song oh. if you want to hear how it sounds. Okay. Um, I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> um, so you know that by singing the song, she is committing suicide, basically. Right. right. And I think this question um, is, she asked this question to see if he has what it takes to fight back. Mm-hmm. Um, last chapter, I think it was last chapter, um, Darrow's talking to himself when they're coming out of the like forest. And he's like, why is she telling me this? Right. She knows there's nothing I would do to risk our lives. Right. And then she, then this chapter, she tells him like, fight him back, you know? Mm-hmm. And she's thinking that if Darrow fights him, then he will be my guy to help me with this, you know? Mm -hmm. If he doesn't fight him, then I know that I need to do something so he becomes that guy. Mm. Interesting. So, she, if because Darrow didn't fight, Eo knows that she has to do something a lot more drastic Mm -hmm. to convince Darrow to risk his life and her life and his family's life Mm -hmm. um, for her dream. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, like um, she knows. She knows that she needs him. That she can't do what needs to be done. Right. But he won't risk but, anything. He like he won't risk their lives. Right. And punching Dan in the face would risk. He would be killed. Right. And he would never take that risk of mm-hmm. leaving EO alone. Um. So which by, is interesting that based on that logic, which would be interesting to think. If he had punched Ugly Dan, how the next chapters would have played out. Right. It'll be very interesting. But 
yeah. Luckily, that wasn't the plan. Right. Yeah. Which, well, luckily, that wasn't the plan. I don't know. <laughs> I I'm don't... Just, no, I'm just thinking, like, I would, you know, I think it could have turned, like, like I said, I think it would have turned out a lot differently. And yeah, maybe they would have been as successful. I think they could have been. Or I'd say as successful. Maybe they could have tried for the same goal with both of them. But I think that she feels like because he's not willing to push himself, I will have to die for him to be able to like, basically he has nothing to lose. Right. So why not go after her goal? Yeah. Um, He's never going to chase her goal because it puts their lives at risk. But if she doesn't have a life to risk, then he'll just risk his own. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then he gets taken to be whipped. Um, and it sounds like everybody from Lycos has gathered to watch this. I don't know if it's mandatory or if it's like, yeah. Are you going to the whipping today? Yeah. <laughs> you have to think about are stopping you? it. Are you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so it starts off as just a whipping, um, which I found it interesting that they use. He talks about like, um, he'll be whipped 48 times. Mm-hmm. twice by each of the head talks which if we go back to the beginning we the head talk is like the leader of the mining crew of each um colony mm-hmm. um so this will be his uncle right because he's the head talk of their mining crew mm-hmm. who will be whipping him okay um which i thought that was interesting that you the people enforcing the rules are not the people who are dealing out the punishment right you're making you're you're making reds beat reds even though the grays are the one enforcing the gold's rules right it's just like it's kind of messed up well it's just a it's another way to show the power that they have i would say right right another display of power right like we we don't even we can make you hurt your own people right for disobeying a rule that we put in place right exactly Yeah. yeah yeah and at one point he says all this because we wanted to go on an adventure you know, yeah. all they wanted was a little excitement. Right. They want something other than digging and eating bread. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, and we get this. Um, so they're in the common area. Um, they call it the common. It's like the town center. Yeah, I always kind of picture like a big, open, sandy area with the. Because that's it's like isn't it in the same area as the market? You know where? Uh, like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And so they're like have to. They're on top of these like metal area in the middle like he talks about climbing metal stairs right um and everyone's gathered to watch this and um where's it going with this oh yeah so there's a guy leading like he's like the mc of the event right Right. he's like saying even the youngest and the most talented people still have to adhere to the rules or whatever right and like dare was thinking like this is like really like grandiose and like he's like really playing this up like what's going on right and he's looking around and he sees why because there's a gold present right and normally i guess there's not golds present um and i like how he describes the gold that he sees here so i'm going to read that it stings to look at him to drink in the radiance of his hair of his sigils i see a gold in this drab place he is what i imagine angels would be like cloaked in gold and black wrapped in the sun a lion roaring upon his breast his face is older, severe, and pure with power. His hair shines, combed back against his head. 
Neither a smile nor a frown mark his thin lips, and the only thing I see is that of a scar which runs along his right cheekbone. Which later, they talk about how the scar is like a sign. And we talked about this mm-hmm. with Octavia Loon earlier. That's a sign of the peerless scarred. Right. Um, which is like the best of the best of the best. Right. Um, I think it's in this chapter that they talked about like the peerless scarred are people that graduate from the Institute. And the Institute is where the Golds learn how to keep the society, the secrets to keeping the society going. Mm-hmm. And they talk about the Institute like it's like a place that you learn something, which we find out later. That's exactly what happens. <laughs> it's a little different than we expected. <laughs> um, yeah, so he gets taken to be whipped, um, and he takes all of his 48 um, lashings. Lashes. Yeah. Um, one thing I love about these books, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, is the way that Pierce Brown can make you see stuff without seeing it. The way he describes stuff is like something that I've not read in other books, I feel like. Um, he, even just talking about the lashings, the one thing that stuck out to me he said, the lashes bit and wail into my flesh, um, music of terror, which is like, yeah, I guess you're like, you're like hearing this noise that the whips are making, but like right. to describe it of music of terror, it's mm-hmm. just like a weird way to describe it, but you're like, oh, that like, I understand what he means. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of those in the, in the whole series that I'm like, that's like a cool way to phrase something. Mm-hmm. He's really good at that. So but I think it's, you know, it's interesting. I've been talking to Aaron about doing these podcasts and it's like, she read the first book and it is not one of her favorites. Right. Right. And I think it's definitely written for, I would say a male demographic. I think so. Um, and, and I th- and I think it's interesting too because, you know, as I've read other books that I would probably say were not were probably written for maybe you know, maybe like a good way to another good example of this sort of storytelling would be the Divergent series because it's written from the perspective of Tris, you know, and right. you get to hear her inner thoughts and dialogue right. and things like that, similar to this the way this trilogy is written. Um, is it a but it's like, series written by female? I can't remember. Yeah. Okay. But I think it's just interesting to hear, even even still hearing an inner monologue of the main character. This one is much different. You get to hear some of the feelings and the you know, but it's it's again much more simple. You know, yeah. like not as yeah. It's just interesting. Yeah. You know? And yeah. and we definitely believe it's not something that um. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think no. This is yeah, it's that... written from a masculine point of view. Yeah, and it's written by a man. Yeah, and so those things said, it's like I can see it appeals to men more than women. Yeah, um, don't like to generalize, but in my discussions with other people who have read it, um, I've had even uh, females tell me like, yeah, it's definitely written for men. Yeah, um, which. I would say is mostly true. Yeah, I, just, I think that male and female, again, broad generalities. Right, right. Nobody send any, <laughs> any you know hate mail or anything, yeah. whatever. But it's just in broad generalities, men and women process things differently, mm-hmm. and so they're going to identify with the way you know male or female characters process things, right. and that's and 
it's a male female author they're going to write it that way so it's right. just it's just very interesting to see some of those biases yeah play out and and how you know you like a story and how you identify with characters and yeah. things like that i do feel it changes in the second book um and a lot in the third book when daryl kind of changes his perspective on life mm-hmm. and um kind of how ender coming back to ender's game how we always do yeah he changed a lot from the first to second book yeah he's also like it's 40 years much. older in the second book or something i forget the difference but yeah it's like a like a huge uh point of view difference yeah in the second book but well yeah he's like he's like 60 or 50 or something yeah but he's actually like 400 like it's like a, i think he's like 2000 or something like yeah, that that was really confusing he's <laughs> like traveling faster than the speed of no light. he's traveling at almost the speed of light oh is that what it is yeah because okay. from scientifically you can't travel faster, faster than the speed or of light. even the speed of light because then you'd be infinitely heavy Right. Neil deGrasse Tyson told me that. Yeah. At our last meeting. All right. <laughs> Back to Red Rising. Um, so he takes his lashings like a champ. Except he does say, like, uh, basically, I'm sure I made a fool of myself and cried out in pain. And he said he blacked out twice. Right. Um, and then EO goes up to get her lashings. And, like, he said nobody cared about when daryl was getting his lashes like nobody yeah. cared because it's like he's a he's a tough young guy you know he can right. take it right but when eo this beautiful young 16 year old girl goes up there or 15 whatever she is 16 right. 15 uh, goes up there like everybody hated that right uh but then um she gets about 13 lashes in um and daryl starts like screaming stop stop i'll take her i'll take the rest of them you know don't do this to her or whatever and the whole time she's like looking at him and he's like, something is wrong here. Like, before they got them, she, like, said, like, I love you and stuff. And he said, like, we're just getting whipped. But she's saying it like it's the last time we're ever going to talk. Right. Um, and, like, something is, like, really wrong with this situation. And, like, the whole time she's getting her lashes, she's, like, looking at him in the eye and, like, weird stuff. And so he's like, make it stop. And then someone's like, gag that guy, you know. And so they put, like, a rock gag in <laughs> his mouth, which, like... Just like makes me feel like like I can't know I can't even understand that he talks about he's like yelling and his molars are chipping and I'm like this is the stuff that Pierce Brown talks about often in this book about like weird physical like bones breaking and yeah. like <laughs> popping in weird places and just talking about like your molars chipping on the rock gag in your mouth it's right. just like oh my word I can't stand to hardly read this but <laughs> um, when she goes up there to get her lashings one thing he says is. I wish my blood had warmed it better for her, meaning like the place where she was laying to get her whips or standing right. to get her whips. Right. Like it's just like still like even in this situation, he's still like trying to like care for her. Like yeah. they're about to get whipped and he's like, oh, I wish I would have bled more on that rock. Yeah. So it wasn't so cold on her skin. I know. I'm like, oh my goodness. It's like he's very concerned. Like he's constantly, right. she was right. Like there's nothing that he would do to risk her. Right. Yeah. Um, which after 13 lashes she starts singing the reaping song right and he says it takes everybody to a minute to realize what's going on and um which is interesting i thought about reading this like she has all the words memorized and they talk about like you rarely hear the song right it's forbidden 
you get killed if you sing it. Mm-hmm. But she has all the words memorized. She like she like prepared for this event. Right. It wasn't like she got that far and she's like, okay, now is when I'm going to make my point. But I think too. I mean, we talked about this in the past that you know, just because you know something and it's taught, it you know that's what I, I think it's interesting to know it and the habit and not be able to use it again right. it's just another form of power yeah like yeah you guys can teach it you can teach the dance right you know that's what darrow's father was killed for it wasn't for singing it was for dancing right right yeah you can know the song and you know you can teach it to your children but you can't sing it right you know and this is the punishment so yeah i think it's just another way that brown's trying to show how the gold have inflicted their power over society and taking away the freedom you know that um that it looks like eo's trying to be free of right um so yeah i think i think that she knew I think she knew something was going to happen when she, I think she knew all the way from the beginning of the story. Like back that, to chapter one of this? Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, like. You she had about, this planned. Yeah. I mean, I think that for whatever reason, I mean, we don't necessarily, I don't know that we ever find out why that this particular time, except that, um, it was the laurel and maybe this was the inflection point yeah you know, she's like, like okay okay if i've this, been preparing for this now's the time to do and, it. and maybe you know i i don't know this is just again you and i have done this so many times where you read into something where it's like okay right did the author or creator really think this deeply into something but like maybe it's kind of like all right if we don't get the laurel this time darrow's been talking about it you know and he's pretty sure that we're going to get it and you know he comes home and he's confident that they got the laurel like okay if we don't get the laurel and we know that we want it that's the last straw right so that's why i'm saying that i think from the very beginning she already knew that this outcome or what's happening now could be an outcome yeah 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 that makes sense she's ready for it yeah i mean i mean that's i was just trying to confirm that she had this plan right you know right. she you know it wasn't like a last minute thing right yeah 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 um and um so this whole time this gold so they describe this gold is there and they describe he's got like a right hand man that looks kind of like the gold but not really he's like wearing makeup to make himself look prettier like he doesn't have like the standard of the gold but he's like the gold's right hand guy and they find out that this gold or he Darrow realizes that this gold that's there watching is the Nero uh, Augustus, mm-hmm. which is the governor of Mars, which is the planet that they're on. So he's one of the most famous golds that they know of, mm-hmm. and he's there watching him. Like, why? Right. Um, and they got camera crews there, basically. Um, they also talk about the, another gold that's there with him. He's got two obsidians, um, which he describes them as being like two feet taller than Darrow. Um, and having eight fingers on each hand, basically like bread for war, right? Um, which we talked about before. But there's another gold he has with him that is like a leaner version of Nero. Um, but is it right? That's what he talks about. Um, but like much more beautiful, more beautifuler. <laughs> I don't know. Which 
I think I know who that is, but I think we get into that later. Yeah. Um, I definitely know who the right hand man is. Um, and we'll figure out who that is later. Yep. Um, so when Io starts singing, Nero comes down and looks at her and tells the camera crews, come in here, film this. We'll cut out the pieces we don't want and we'll like make a show of it to everybody to show how doing this proves nothing and right. gets you nowhere. Right. Basically was his plan. And uh, so they do that. And then when she's done singing, uh, Nero says, is that it? Is that all your strength is that your weapon that you're using against us mm-hmm. and like it's that it's their only weapon like right. it's the only thing they can do against the society so it's what she's doing right um but he's saying that to like prove like you're done your song you know nobody here is like yeah i'm with you you know everybody right. just watched you do it and stayed silent right and so you're gonna die and nothing has changed mm-hmm. um and which comes into play a little bit in the next chapter um him saying that um Darrow mentions that a little bit in the next chapter. So it was just interesting that like we gave you a weapon to use and then when you use it, we're going to like make fun of how stupid it is. Right. Yeah. Right. So, that's basically how the chapter ends. Um, it's Nero talking to her and then he tells his like, he tells the like magistrate be like, the line is, and I'm not going to, I'm going to hold out the swear word, but the line <laughs> is uh, hang the rusty person lest she continue to howl. So I think he's using the B word in context here, meaning like she's as worthless to me as a dog. Right. Like he's not calling her that word to be like demeaning to her, to her but he's actually saying like she to me is but, just a dog that is howling right now, making right. noise and barking and just silence her. Right. Yep. Um, but earlier I want to mention um, it's uh, he mentions to his one of the guys there he says no animal but man throws themselves willingly unto flames um, which i thought was interesting he's like look at this everybody because you won't see it again mm-hmm. meaning like she knows that this is going to be the end of her life and she's still doing it right and she said only humans do that mm-hmm. no other animal would risk their life to prove a point right um which was interesting to think about yeah no i think it's i think in some ways it's um him showing almost a certain amount of humanity and respect saying, you know, like this is what makes humans human, right? You know, whether it's red or gold, this is a character trait that animals don't have. Right. So let's at least give it that sort of respect it deserves. They could have just stopped Um, her song. Right. Killed her right then. Right. Um, So I think in some ways he's giving respect, but then kind of, wipes that all away saying (laughs) you know with what he says at the end yeah i'm just kind of saying you're right you are human but you're but to me you're still nothing yeah yeah yep and that's how chapter six ends so chapter five chapter five sorry chapter five ends so she's about to be hung and darrow is probably upset about it chipping more molars oh my goodness i hate the (laughs) thought of that i hate the thought of that chewing on rocks ugh so make sure everybody you read your chapter for next week. Okay. Chapter six next week. Don't forget. It's only like ten minutes. It yeah. Like ten minutes. Yeah. It's really quick. Easy. That's what my Kindle tells me. <laughs> yeah. They like I fall asleep on a page. Yeah. I get back in I'm like eighty minutes to finish the chapter. <laughs> yeah. Oh my. <like. laughs> uh, yes. So I think it was The Hobbit I started reading, and it was like fifteen minutes to finish the chapter, and I'm like I'm like going through it, I'm like reading it, and I was reading it aloud to the kids, so I'm like reading it slower than I would 
like just in my brain. Right. Like as I'm reading it, I'm going through pages, right? But the number keeps getting longer of how many minutes there are to the end of the chapter. I'm like, oh my God, I'm not reading as fast as they thought that I would. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was like, it got to like 30 minutes after I had been reading for 10 minutes. I'm like, okay. Sorry, kids. I'm not reading this book anymore. <laughs> Especially the Hobbit. Like the first chapter is just like the history of Hobbits. I'm like, oh my goodness. So. Oh, you have to you have to skip to where they actually like meet all the dwarves. Yeah, is that is that not chapter one? I don't think so. Yeah, okay. There's like dopey and grumpy. And <laughs> is, that, is that different? Sleepy and Doc. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, but thanks, Matt, for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yep. See you guys next week for the next chapter of Red Rising. Be safe. Be courteous. Bye. Bye. See you later, alligator.